What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Matthew Freeman Show. You know I like to bring people on every now and again, and today I got a good friend of mine that's going to come on and talk to you about her journey and what she's going through and what she's learned. Um, Chasmith Newton is probably one of the best personal trainers that I've ever met in Sonoma County. Over the years, uh, she's been known for making sure you're doing exercises right. Let's just put it that way. Uh, It was uh, very important to her that you move well before you tried to move fast or move heavy load. And, you know, it was it was experience of mine that she would, you know, take weight off your bar if you tried to overload the bar. And, you know, at that time when you're younger and you have ego, the last thing you want is someone that takes weight off your bar. But as you start to grow older, you start to learn and appreciate that someone who cares more for your well-being than your personal records is absolutely someone you want to be around. But that's shifted over time. You know, the way that she coaches and the the way that she uh, shows up for people in her coaching has like everybody else, like evolved over time. And I felt like you guys needed to hear what's going on with her and her coaching world. She's still a remarkable personal trainer, but she does coaching on a, on a different level and has a podcast that she started called Our Power is Within. So when I hear that, I realize it's so much beyond the physical. And I wanted to bring her on today to have her tell us what's going on, where she's at, and what new things she's learned that I probably don't understand and have her share that with you. So, Chasmith, welcome. Thank you. I am excited to be here with you today, Freeman. Freeman. And I'm going to call you Chaz because I know you as Chaz, but I, I wanted them to know your real full name. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is Chaz mm-hmm. good? Chaz good? Yeah, always. Chaz is good. So... Our power is within. You started that recently. What uh, what took you to the point where you're like, I got to start a podcast. I got to do it. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, let's see. It's something that I've wanted to do for so many years. Um, I didn't obviously know what I wanted it to be about, but I knew I wanted to do one. I just knew that when I heard other podcasters, I kind of felt a little jelly and uh thought I want to do this like they're they have the best job ever I'm super curious by nature I love asking questions and these people get to sit around all day with really cool people ask questions and learn things and so I wanted to do it and um in this past year while I have been working through a brain retraining program is when it really came together when I started the program I started connecting dots between what I was learning in brain retraining and stuff I learned about the mind-body connection and the role that emotions play in the physical well-being of our bodies. And then I learned all this stuff about the science of the brain. And it's just all was this one big picture that made so much sense to me. And I really wanted a platform that brought it all together and bridged the gaps for people to see that they have options for um, how they approach their healing more holistically, mind, body, and soul. And so it kind of sat with me for a while, and I kept pushing it off, making all kinds of excuses, like, oh, I don't have the right voice, I'm not healthy enough yet, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. And 
eventually it just got so loud. I felt, I feel blessed. The idea didn't leave me and bounce to someone else. It stayed with me and it, it was patient and it waited for me to be ready. But I got to a place in my brain retraining where I realized that this was my next step to break through barriers and limiting beliefs and prove and show my brain what's possible. So, um, you know, top it off with 2020 and losing my job, I had all the time and no more excuses. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I'm really proud of you. I mean, over the years that I've known you, you've you've journaled, you've written, you've uh, took some leaps and started a blog, you know, which was, you know, uncomfortable sharing some of your writing with the world, wondering like how it might be perceived or uh, if it will be read the way that you were trying to deliver it, you know, and and all of a sudden now you're literally speaking out loud to the world via these recordings that anyone can access. And I think, you know, that's a that's a huge step in this information that I know that's been in your mind because I've had the pleasure to sit down and have conversations with you is finally like getting unjum- unjumbled you know, and like put together in a, a well-articulated fashion and delivered out for people to hear. And I think that's that's really awesome. I'm really excited for you. Um, 2020, you said, gave you some of the bravery and courage to kind of have no other reason than to start. But can you maybe dumb down brain retraining for those of us that are sitting on this side going like, hmm, I don't even understand my brain. How can I retrain it? Uh <laughs> Can you dumb that down for us? Yeah, let me see. Um, (laughs) Okay, so it's basically, um, there's several different options of brain retraining programs out there. And basically what I love, there's um, there's this author, his name is Dr. Rick Hansen, and I love how he explains it. He basically says that we use our mind to change our brain to make our minds better. And so there's various types of tools that we can use that influence uh, a change in the brain. And I'm going to try, like, I know I'm trying to dumb this down, but I'm going to use a a big word, um, neural pathways. So what we're trying to do is create new neural pathways that support the person that we want to be in mind, body, and soul, rather than old pathways that... um, were no longer supporting us. So breaking through limiting beliefs or old thought patterns, old habits, old addictions, and creating these new pathways that support the me I want to be. And we do that through all kinds of little, some are, I mean, mostly very simple tools. Um, and, and it's not just changing the brain. What really creates the change is that through these simple little change states, we're changing the actual physiology in our body as well. So I hope that explains it. Yeah, I mean, I think I understand it. But you, you made one point or, or Rick Hansen made a point of using our mind to change our brain. Can you describe the difference between mind and brain? Like where <laughs> someone might say, like, uh, I've always looked at my brain as like my mind because it's inside my head. But yeah. uh, what's the difference between mind and brain? Yeah. Uh, great question. So it's funny too, because there's so much language and there's so many different usage of language and different ways to interpret some of these common terms. Um, I, at the end of the day, I think what it is, is it's using the conscious mind to change the brain to make our subconscious mind better. So 
I'm in my conscious state. I'm making choices to use tools that will actually create a physiological change in my brain and therefore my subconscious because 95% of the time we're running on autopilot. We are operating from our subconscious. So we have all these goals and dreams and ideas of the me I want to be in the conscious mind. And we struggle sometimes to get to those goals and to live that life and we don't understand why and it's often because we make these commitments in this conscious mindset but then you know life happens and we're running right back in autopilot so the idea is you upgrade the subconscious mind so that if you're going to be on autopilot you might as well be having um, an operating system that's running in the background that actually supports us got it yeah so when you're talking about that i picture you know my myself sitting at a computer and my conscious self programming into the computer the the new data that I need it to run to run appropriately like on its own like kind of re like rewriting the the memory and the CPU and to to run with new information you know um, to Absolutely. operate in a different way. Like I, I just have to have visuals sometimes to think like, how can I separate this mind and body? And, uh, you know, it became like a human in a computer, but that's kind of what I hear you describing, you know, in a way like the computer being my subconscious and that, you know, my physical being, being my conscious and my conscious self kind of going, no, Hey, we need to operate a new way. Let me give you some new inputs. And then you spit out some goodness for me you know, yes, mo- moving yeah. forward, you know? Yeah. So what a, this one gentleman that I um, had the pleasure of speaking with, I love how he described it too for a visual is he said, imagine like you have your cell phone and you have all these apps running in the background and in a, on a cell phone, we can swipe up and we can like close these apps. Right. But like you have all these apps running in the background of your subconscious mind that we, unless we do something to change them, they're running. So we have to like make sure that they're apps that want, that we want to be running that support us. Got it. I've never swiped up any of the apps off my phone. I think my kids do that for me every time. <laughs> and they go, dad, you got everything open. And I'm like, don't close it. I haven't got back to it yet. You know, like, hold on. I was shopping for somebody for, damn it. Um, But, you know, fortunately, uh, I actually have learned to do that to conserve battery. Uh, (laughs) It was just a side note, you know. Um, How did you know, like, when when you started your podcast, like, like, well, let me ask you this. How did you decide what your podcast was going to be about? And has it since changed or evolved since you started it like to something bigger, better, or different than you imagined it could be? Okay. Well, I kind of, so part one of your question, um, just going back to what I was saying earlier is that it was this epiphany, this moment. I know exactly where I was, who I was with when I was having this conversation. And it was like this light bulb moment because I was dissecting this brain retraining program. And that's when I had this epiphany of, how it's like, oh, the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, oh, the brain retraining program, oh, uh, tension myoneural syndrome and the work of Dr. Sarno's mind-body connections. So I had all these different um, concepts that were like flowing through my mind. And to me, they all were the same thing. They were all the same end goal. It was just a different use of language, but it, it felt to me like, 
I know people who know about this, but they don't know about these options. And then this person might know about this, but not these options. And I wanted to bridge the gap. I wanted to bring it all together. And then I wanted to um, create a platform that not only brought all these different styles of self-healing together and modalities, but also testimonials because hearing testimonials from other people is such a powerful motivational factor to helping us create change because when we can hear other and here's the key word ordinary I didn't want it to be all these big people I wanted it to be like our everyday ordinary people who have had profound healing results to give their testimonial to inspire other people out there who are on their journey what is ordinary all of us were all ordinary and extraordinary at the same time. But you know what I mean? Like, because in the healing world, the common thing that we hear is, oh, well, oh, they're special or they can do it, but I can't. Or we think like we're special in a way that we're not capable or we're not worthy of the miracle or we can't heal. Only these people can. Or you see people who are like already doing all these things and you're like, well, they're different. I'm different. So I wanted it to be everybody, everybody that you could think of in anybody, no limitations so that whoever's listening has somebody they connect with and there, and then they can adopt the mindset. If he can do it, so can I. Yeah. I caught myself doing that shit today. There's a, a influencer slash, uh, online coach who's phenomenal. Who's, you know, makes millions of dollars at a ripe young age in her 20s. And, you know, she announced that she got up and moved to Austin and left California and she's loving it and all the reasons, you know, and like, I was like, well, good for you. It'd be nice to just have hundreds of millions of dollars to just sell and go and buy or, you know, just go buy and just your whole bit. And then I I stopped myself, you know, mid sentence because I could absolutely move to Texas tomorrow if i wanted to move to texas tomorrow there are no limitations on me going to texas other than the choices that i make to stay in california for the reasons that i make them but momentarily it was like ah well lucky you you know (laughs) and it's uh so i get that you know I, i get that like it's really easy for us to like fall into that state of like you know that person that worked for that person because you know, that recovery system worked for that person because they don't have to work. So they sat in the Normatech all day long, but Normatech wouldn't work for me because I don't have more than five minutes to be, you know, this is like all these reasons why uh, it wouldn't work for us, which is all crap, which is why I'm glad that you have your podcast and we can start, you know, I, I still today, I, I, I use the word reframing with my clients a lot of times. We got to reframe that sentence, you know, and like literally just changing the the grammar in that sentence can change exactly how it impacts you moving forward. So like, how could we say that differently to have a profound impact? And I have to do that to myself all the time because instantly it was just in one of those moods where I was like, oh, lucky you. And I'm like, oh, I could move to Texas tomorrow, you know? Like, I'd, yeah. I, I want to leave California or could, but I have no desire to right this moment, you know? Yes. And you know what? I'll tell you something funny. Um, the word reframe, every time that you reframe, you're actually brain retraining. That is a form of brain. That is a very prominent word in the brain retraining in the, uh, community is it's reframing our thoughts around everything, you know? 
So See? I've been brain retraining in 2020. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I mean, language, you know, language, we both know, you and I know yeah. with our background, language, the language we use is huge. I mean, neurolinguistic programming is a form of um, utilizing language to help re- reframe and retrain the brain. Yeah. And uh, for those of you guys that don't know that big old word that she just said, commonly known as NLP, you know, but then there's several forms of NLP. And so, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You mentioned something that I really like when you were talking about your podcast. You were talking about all these different modalities of, uh, you know, brain retraining and bringing them together and taking pieces and being able to, you know, introduce certain pieces and certain tools to different individuals and that's something that I've discovered over the years, you know, in personal training and nutrition, um, in personal development is like ultimately the, the book that I always wanted to write. I just talk about it a ton and I'll probably never write it. But like the idea called intersections, you know, is that like all these great authors and creators of modalities, if you read it all, it all intersects somewhere and that's like the firm foundation that you can like lay on and hang your hat on. And then you ask like, what seasoning or spice do I enjoy or or resonates with me? You know, and you kind of head in that direction. And you'll find usually a lot of times it's not one. You know, it's like I'm not fully CrossFit, if you will. You know, I like do some CrossFit stuff, but I also like strength training. And I also like this, but when you combine it all, they all intersect that resistance training, you know, in an intelligent, progressive way over time with some patience and some tools, you know, and it's like they all like there's usually this foundational overlap on all these different great, you know, um, instructors of the world that show us these these things that heal. And it's just what worked for them. You know what I mean? And somewhere in that, in those intersections, you find what works for you. Have you found that to be like the case in brain retraining too? Have you, have you been able to like pull different tools in that resonate with you and, and make it your own little special sauce to a degree? 100%. Yes. Because two things like one healing is not a one size fits all because we're all so unique. We all have completely different nervous systems, completely different lives completely different physical, emotional, and chemical traumas that we've gone through and our, our nervous system responses to them. So to the idea to think that there's a, a one-size-fits-all program that because it worked for you, it's going to work for me as long as we do it in the exact same way is so limiting. And that was part of my, my mission was to help people realize that it's so important for us to get to a place um, where we're reconnected to our center and our intuition and where we honor our truth and where we allow ourselves to explore and learn and experiment and see what really fits for us and what resonates with our body and our, and our mind and our heart and soul. And, you know, one piece of advice I had heard at some point was don't let one thing or one person be your guru. Because like you said, with fitness, like there's not one tool that's just perfect like because we're all so unique there's so many wonderful tools out there and I always say do what you resonate towards do what makes you happy do what you believe in because if you are happy and you believe in it it's probably going to work because you're also going to be way more committed to show up and do it over and over again 
Yeah. You know? So for me, I very, very adamantly committed to one program for the amount of time that they suggested. And then I started incorporating some other tools and experimenting to see how it felt in my body and what resonated with me. You know, you, you've known me, so you know, I've always been an experimenter and I always experiment on myself so that I can also show up for other people and offer insight. Yeah, 100%. And then, I mean, realizing that that thing that you find that resonates with you, being okay when that when that changes and evolves. Because, you know, a lot of pain happens in people not being able to walk away when something has taken its course. Like, you don't love it the same way. It's not having the same impact. It's okay to try something new. Now, I'm going to put a caveat there because we have the, you know, People who want to try something new weekly and never do something long enough to develop like a love for that one thing or that tool that could work for them or never do it long enough to develop insight to know whether or not it's a valid tool. So we don't want to get like, you know, water skippery and jumping, jumping all over the water. But at the same time, things will run its course. Like, I mean, I know you and I, we used to visit a lot of CrossFits and and CrossFit like more, you know, competitively, if you will, or like try to go hard. And it's like, man, I, I rarely have those kind of workouts now where I'm like going as hard as I can for time. You know, I'm I'm slowing it down and doing strength training. And that's where my life is at right in this moment. That doesn't mean I won't do it again. But like that ship had kind of parted ways. And, and right now a new ship is is what's relevant for my life right now. And like I said, I'll still incorporate that from time to time, but it's not the all the time thing. And, you know, there's a there's a death to that. There can be a grieving process sometimes when you realize like this thing is no longer serving me in the way that I, it always had. Um, and we find that in health and wellness all the time when people come in and go, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like 20 years ago when I lost weight, this is what I did. And I just need to do that again. But for some reason, it's not working. Well, it's like, uh, yeah, because that, that, ain't, that ain't you now. You've evolved. You've changed, you know. And so your remedy has to change slightly. Or the properties of your life have changed. You have more stress. You have bills. You're not 20-something and in college anymore. Um, you know, and I, I think it's just a... a and without going on a tangent, it's a pet peeve of mine when people say, oh, I'm getting old. That's why nothing's working. It's not actually the age that's actually limiting the change. It's literally your life has significantly changed. The stress factors in your life have significantly changed. The roles and responsibilities have significantly changed. Your confidence towards things have significantly changed. And so we have to... like analyze that you know it's like when i was 16 guess what i didn't have rent and child support and you know bills on a daily basis and a job and people who looked to me for guidance and stuff like that so i you know that wasn't weighing on my shoulders you know so things were different and it's like you can't do that same thing i did when i was 20 because i don't have the same setting in my life that when i was 20 but brain retraining sounds you know, similar but different. It's, but it's like, explain that because that's physical. That's our physical, I'm, I'm getting old. But what about like, we get wiser as we get older. So isn't brain retraining easier if we get older? Or, or is it, or is it harder? 
No, I don't think it matters. So there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of myths out there. And, you know, one of them is that, um, you know, there's an old myth, an old mindset before we've um, we've come to understand the brain so much more in in depth, which is that um, over time you become like less neuroplastic in your brain, which is less malleable, less opportunity to, to change and adapt it. So the idea, the myth is that we get super set in our ways and that we can't change or that change is too hard. And that's all BS. It is harder to change, right? Like if I have neural pathways and that are supporting um, habits, addictions, um, limiting beliefs and thought patterns that don't serve me at 40 years old, that those were real, those are really ingrained compared to if I was 21, you know, because that's 19 more years that I basically kept tying the knot around those beliefs and strengthening them and giving them energy. So yeah, in a sense, it's going to be, um, a challenge in that regard that you're like, okay, well, I'm a little bit older, so I have a a little bit more to undo, but at the same time, it's all completely possible. I've seen people doing these programs in their sixties, seventies, eighties. There's no limit and no time cap on age or capacity to making a choice to improve your well-being and better your life. Yeah. I, I you know my grandma was here the other day. I just remember her saying like life's good now, Matthew. I don't just give I don't give a fuck what no one thinks now. Life's easy. Uh she's like I think that happens when you get older. You just stop caring what people think. You know, and I was like, hmm. I'm gonna listen to that one, you yeah. know. But you know, my grandma. She, I don't think she ever really cared what anyone thought. Anyways, it's just. I don't think so. It was kind of interesting. She's like, "Yeah, Matthew, just get like me. Just don't care what anyone says." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I think that's more mortality kind of creeping up on you, you know." But uh, let me ask you something. How long have you been a health advocate? Let's let's switch a few gears. You know, like how long has health been? you know, at the forefront of your mind. I know in the nine years, 10, I think we're going on that I've known you. Um, it's It played a huge role. Um, but without me giving away, how long have you been like, a, would you say a health advocate? Yeah, I mean, probably over a decade. And it really started with my own um, dis-ease um, in my body and my drive to want more for myself my drive that like the belief that I kept holding on to that I was worthy of feeling better than I did and that I deserved um well-being and that I knew it was possible and so obviously the path I was taking to try to accomplish that well-being 10 years ago looks so different than it does today but that was always the driving force um was to overcome the pain that I had felt to be in a better place and then be able to help other people because there was definitely a point where I thought, well, fuck, if I'm going to be feeling the things that I feel and I'm going to have to go through this, then I'm going to find solutions and I'm going to share the message because I want to help other people because it has, there has to be a purpose bigger than just myself. If I'm going through this. Yeah. You know, it was one of my questions I actually had and you kind of just answered was, did, did your story emerge from pain? Um, <laughs> And you hit the nail on the head, but you know, everyone has pain. So what do you think like creates that like catalyst for change? Because I think we all live with, you know, a certain, uh, you know, 
distress tolerance, you know, if, if you will, for certain levels of, of pain, you know, and you look at one person versus the other and we'll just say it on the physical pain thresholds are, you know, you see people walking on two broken feet, you know, moving forward and another one that stubbed their toe and won't walk, you know, or something like that. Um, it's just like pain tolerance is real. And, you know, that's probably physical, you know, to a certain degree. That's something we're maybe born with. But like, what do you think is the catalyst for for change, you know, like when does the pain become too great or or just maybe for yourself? When did the pain become so great that you were like, I'm fed up? Mm-hmm. I got to do it. Um, yeah. So I think it's different for everyone, but I definitely think there's an element of desperation we, where we get to a point where, yeah, we're fed up, where it's too much, where enough is enough. And I think that, you know, because pain can be physical or mental, emotional, and we're all on our own journeys and we have our own story. And, and some people are just okay spending their whole life, like not really living the life that they're capable of or that's possible. And they're okay with that. And I'm, I've just never been okay with that. I've always wanted more. And I think what it came down to for me was the desperation came with a loss of freedom. And I see that a lot in the people I communicate with in my community um, is when we are no longer experiencing freedom because we are robbed of doing the things we love to do. When you are used to doing stuff and there's things you love and then all of a sudden you can't do it because of some illness or pain condition in your body, I think that was for me definitely the breaking point. That was where I was like, no, this is not okay. I don't accept this life as like, I don't accept this as my life for the rest of my life. Like there's more, there's gotta be an answer. There's gotta be a solution. And I am willing to do whatever it takes. And I hear that all the time. in the people I talk to is that they got, they just got to a place where they were so desperate that they were willing to do whatever it took. And that commit, that creates commitment to show up every day over and over and over because you know, people want a quick fix and eat, you know, an easy solution. They want the magic pill. They want to do the one big thing like, oh, I can go do this for a day or a week. But like creating real honest change at a cellular level and in our brain and in our physiology is showing up every day over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I have some people close to me in my life right now that, uh, show up daily and it's it's it's, it's awesome you know and but it, and it is it's 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 great that they're in my life and we hold each other accountable to showing up because you can't really let up you know <laughs> like it's uh it, it it's kind of never ending this journey of you know healing and uh i think that scares people and to be honest, maybe at a time in my life, it scared me. But honestly, like, that's the part I, I like the most. Like, the idea now of not physically training my body is more of a stressor than what training my body used to be, you know? And, and people think that, like, I naturally just always, I hated working out. I love sports. I love playing in games. But I hated training and, and getting my body in shape for those games. It was the competition I was addicted to, you know. But now it's like 
It's the opposite. I look forward to going in my backyard and doing the back squat that's going to make me healthy, you know, or the the work that's written, that the daily grind work that's not competitive and sexy. Like, I'm excited for that now. And and I try to envision, and, I, and maybe this is a question for you, I try to envision a day where I'm not, like, trying to mentally get better. And that freaks me out, like, the idea of, like, you know, and, and, and there's some... I think there's some downsides to that. I have to learn to be able to turn it off and have a, a relaxing day and, and not like know that like if I don't learn for a day, I'm not necessarily going backwards type stuff. There's there's stuff there. But it's it's when it shifts and it's like, no, a little bit of physical activity and a little mental activity every day is what's going to keep me healthy for the longevity in life. Like that shift. It took a while, you know? Um, so how do you talk to people about the idea that, like, you know, hey, <laughs> this this journey's just so you know, it's never-ending. Because um, I think that scares people in the day and age where everything's fast. So yeah. how, how, do, how do you guys deliver, you guys, meaning, you know, the people you look up to that you've learned from and you, the people that you coach, like, deliver the idea that, hey, we're going to retrain your brain and it's going to be a never-ending saga? Like, um, Yeah, great question. So <laughs> I, I honestly think it's a realization each person comes to on their own in their journey. I think, and this is a common thing that I've talked to like other friends and people about in the community and people I've interviewed, um, a lot of us have been brought into the healing community out of, like I said before, desperation because of um, limitations, because we're sick. And so you think that you're on, you're going into this like physical healing journey and you quickly find out that whether you're doing like the deep emotional release work or, you know, the mind body connection stuff or the brain retraining, it's all emotional, it's all mental and it's all inner work. And you learn so fast that this journey you thought was purely physical is so interconnected to everything. And for me, anyhow, I can only speak to my, for myself is I got to a point really early on where I realized, holy shit, I can heal myself physically. But what's so much cooler than that is I can actually be a creator in my life. And I actually get to change some of these deep seated beliefs that I didn't even know was possible at first. And that was really the motivation for me. And so I do believe that a lot of people, they do the work and they think they think it's going to end when the physical symptoms go away. But in doing this work, you end up coming more into self, aligning more to what's authentic and real for you. And it just becomes a part of who you are and you just don't really want to stop doing it. You don't want to stop being this best version of yourself. You know, it's kind of like you grow a passion for it. Just the way you said that now you'd show up and you do the workouts and you enjoy it and you look forward to it because it's kind of just become a part of who you are. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You and I've uh, both had this experience in um, people that we look up to that we study go really extreme with a thought like, no carbs ever, you know, kind of thought. And then that very, you know, respected individual 
at some point down the road backs off of that a little bit and says, you know, carbs aren't bad in general when you have them might need to make sense and it might need to make sense relative to the type of work you do physically, mentally, spiritually, but no carbs never is probably a little too bold and I'm kind of stepping back from that, right? And I I bring that up because I think sometimes when we find something that's healing, and I want to ask you if this is your experience in brain training, and we start feeling better, it can become somewhat of an obsession and we can get caught up so much into in the work that you know we lose sight of other things that may may be going on that may need to be tended to uh, i guess kind of sort of like a new you know new relationship or something where you know the the ones where you spend every waking moment together and forget you have some individuality like you know you have to realize at some point that maybe that's not um you know, that's not sustainable, if you will, you know, and so like, you know, going back to the guy that we followed that like was limited to no carbs backing off and saying some carbs is like, okay, maybe no carbs indefinitely was not sustainable. And I learned that over time, but I believed what I believed when I believed it. And now I've learned more. Um, Have you found people that like, get excited about brain retraining and dive in and the obsession becomes so much so that like, you know, at one point, the the actual training becomes detrimental and they have to learn to back off the training to a degree? Not really, actually. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting. So, I, okay, so I'll, I'll say two things on this. One, you're right, extremes. It happens sometimes, right? And I think it's a normal progression for us to have extremes as we're growing and learning things. Um, and... I, I've seen that play out in my life in so many ways. Uh, and a prime example right now is with boundaries. I'm learning for the first time in my adult life, well, my life probably ever, how to honor my own boundaries. And it's, you know, it's funny because I went from having none and then I went through this period where I had like really strong, firm boundaries and I thought, I might be doing that extreme thing again. I need to find that middle ground. But I think it's part of it because I think you have to go over here if you've spent so much time over there, you got to experience a little bit over here to find what that middle ground is. But as far as like brain retraining and that extreme, I don't think so. I would say that extreme tends to happen in your, in certain personality types, like your type A perfectionism, the kind of person who puts all this pressure on themselves. But when you really understand the brain retraining is a lot of time, like the idea with that is that we are actually rewiring those characteristics or personality traits. So, um, so you actually work um, doing t- using tools to rewire that to not um, to not you know have those be factors that like come down on you. So you're not getting all this pressure anymore. Is the goal the goals actually to come out of this and not feel that pressure and have to be so extreme with things. And with the brain retraining, it's very important. We do work in our training zone, which is just a term for like, what am I capable of doing today without really um, aggravating symptoms or what, like what's possible for me today. But the idea is that over time, 
we get stronger and we get healthier and we become less um, symptomatic. And we actually, it's part of our training to actually go out and start living life and doing what was possible. And it's, um, it's called incremental training where we start pulling things into our life and saying yes to life and training around life. And I guess, I mean, you answered the question perfectly because that's kind of what I'm, what I was alluding to that I didn't articulate in a great way is when like the new thing that is unlocking so much for you becomes such an obsession that you're blinded to all of the other good things that were always present and around you that maybe you weren't seeing, if you will, you know, and now that you're able to connect better with yourself, like now you got to go see if you can connect better with your daughter or your brother or, you know, that that relationship that you're that you cut off because it was too painful to be involved in it. But now you can show up differently for it. So maybe maybe you could at least go back and get closure and or maybe there can be an existence of a relationship that you cut out that was important to you, you know, and where do you go back in and start actually like living, you know, it's like I remember a time where, you know, warming up and doing mobility like became the workout. <laughs> like, like mobility became the workout and like, God forbid, a barbell actually shows up because it's like got to do two minutes of couch stretch, got to do, you know, sleeper stretch, got to do the banded this, I got a voodoo floss, I got a voodoo floss this, I got, you know, uh, foam roll this and foam roll out my lat and then you know then I'll be ready to work out and it's like all right well that's 90 minutes later so like I don't I don't know that there is any time to work out now so that that was the workout and and if we're gonna do all that hinging then you know we got to do all this post-workout recovery so that I'm not dead tomorrow you know which is gonna be and you look at the board and like the thing you used to love to do was like three minutes sandwich in the middle of like 45 minutes of mobility and recovery, you know, and it's like, you know, so I guess it's like, what, at what point does the thing that's healing, like almost squeeze out all the things that you felt like you were originally healing for, hopefully, right. you know, like I want to heal myself so I can enjoy this more, but now this is gone because I'm so focused on healing. So it's, it's cool to see how you talked about this incremental training and like almost like testing yourself you know like putting yourself out there to test retest to see if the training's working like actually go put yourself back in the game you know um are you learning um because i've just seen that too many too many times you know we've seen it and we both coach nutrition you know and it's like you restrict yourself of certain things so much so that like now you show up at the party and there's a piece of cake there and you're just sitting there and you're like eyeing it and eyeing it and eyeing it and eyeing it going, no, I'm not allowed to have it. I'm not allowed to have it. No, I'm not allowed to have it. It's like that probably that one piece of cake's probably not going to kill you. Like ultimately in the long scope of things, you know. Um, so now you've trained yourself to avoid at all costs that stuff. But maybe that wasn't that right framework, you know, to teach you around nutrition, like avoidance, you know. Um, maybe choice, you know? And so we learned how to use different words and let people choose. Does that make me feel good or not? You know what I mean? We went through all that. So I was just, it's just interesting to see how 
brain, this work uh, parallels that or doesn't at all, you know? And it sounds like it's kind of interwoven into the training to, like, keep you doing the things that bring you joy, you know? Yeah, but just, and, and, you know, remember, like, there's some people who they are bedridden or they can't walk and they're limited and they, what robbed them of the joy and the life they're used to living was a sickness or an illness or, you know, um, um, you know, pain in the body. And, and so, yeah, the brain retraining, the idea is that over time you do, the whole point of the incremental training is to slowly reintroduce things to your body and your mind again and uh, create positive, safe associations and show yourself that you can do these. But yeah, there's definitely this balance, right? Because there's, I know I've gone through it where there's a little bit, sometimes you might notice that like a fear shows up uh, and that's just another thing that we get to rewire and retrain around. So it's like bringing more consciousness, more consciousness in and being like, oh, okay, I see that little story, but we call it POPs, like pathways of the past. And we pop them. We have all these little funny acronyms. And so you're like, oh, I see that, but I, that's not my story anymore. And you redirect yourself. And, and so, and yeah, it's, it's very important. And an incremental part of the healing is to get to a place as you're feeling better to start really reincorporating things into your life again and create those positive um, neural pathway associations with them so that you're showing your brain what's possible. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right, a little, little sideways because we got about 15 minutes before we reach our limit. And uh, I, there's some questions I want to get to and, and they don't have to be long answers. But, um, you know, I want I want the people that are listening to know a little bit more about you and I kind of want to just put you on the hot seat a little bit, actually, because uh, I know it'll make you a little bit uncomfortable. And uh, that's 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 kind of fun, you know. So um, first question is, like, do you consider yourself an empath or what does that word mean to you or? Um, funny question. That's a funny question. And 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 many people in the healing community often do associate themselves as empaths. I do not. It is not one of my superpowers. I do not feel that way at all. Uh, funny side note, I actually just learned this week that often people who um, associate themselves as empaths, um, actually what's going on often is they're so disconnected from their own emotional state that they overwhelmingly feel other people's emotions. So I just learned that association. I don't know. Um, I don't know the accuracy or how true that it is. Like every person has to decide for themselves. But I did hear that's often a common theme. But I am not definitely an empath. Wait, repeat that one more time, just because it was pretty profound, and I wanted to hear it again. So I was listening to this woman in this community, a really prominent figure in this in the healing community, and she was saying that what happens often is that people in this community who tend to um, consider themselves empaths, empaths are actually extremely emotionally disconnected themselves. Like they're not so connected to their own emotions and therefore they tend to take on and feel the emotions of others more intensely. Hmm. So that's, that's interesting. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that would be yeah. a string I want to tug on a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not me. <laughs> uh, what's one thing in your life today that you never saw coming? 
<laughs> my whole life. <laughs> my whole entire life. Like, if you knew the life when I was younger that I set out to, like, create, you know, leaving the house and the, the me I thought I wanted to be, I mean, I'm just so different. Like, never, ever, ever would I have thought I'd be sitting in this world, in this life, living the life I'm living. Hmm. What's one thing you thought would happen, for <laughs> sure, that just has not? Uh, God, one thing. I'm so terrible at one thing games. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, one best, one favorite. Um Speaking of like what I just said, just like how different my life is, like no joke, I thought I was going to be the girl that wore suits, carried a briefcase, lived in a sky rise in a big city with her corporate job making fucking six, seven figures. And not one of those things has happened. (laughs) None of it. (laughs) Oh, man. I had this friend tell me one time, I I said that uh, I always dreamed that I would sit in a stadium and speak to hundreds of thousands of people at once. And this friend said, what if you speak to one person uh, at a time up to 100,000 people? That friend was you, remember? So I'll (laughs) never forget that day. And it really has helped me in my journey of coaching Because every time I sit down and coach with someone, I'm like, you're one of the 100,000 people that I I have envisioned myself to speak to, and you're very important, and I want to connect with you. And this this journey has been able to allow me to, like, connect individually versus, like, speaking in generalities to the masses. This has given me a deeper version, and that doesn't mean that that dream won't show itself in some way, shape, form, or fashion, but it's definitely helped me like connect and be present and be with the person that I'm coaching today. So I definitely will thank you for that. And uh, (laughs) just just also encourage you to say, hey, you don't have a briefcase, you don't have a suit and you're not in a sky rise. You're in Rona Park in a single family residence, uh, you know, with a hat on. But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean the work's not important, you know, and and that what you're doing isn't impactful. You know, I think we used to measure impact sometimes with like maybe monetary return and stuff like that. But I mean, I think we've both grown wise enough to know that that's not totally what impact equals, you know, or or how it's defined. So I know you have this love for dogs. (laughs) Where'd that come from? Uh, My heart? No. Um, Yeah, okay. It came from my dog. It came from my dog because first off, I never thought I wanted dogs, uh, you know, go with the whole like life I thought I was going to live that I'm not living, which by the way, I'm, I'm blessed in that like source definitely redirected my path for a billion good reasons. I would never want that lifestyle. Um, but I got fixated on this show, Robin Big, for one reason, Meaty, the bulldog. I don't know what it was about Meaty, but he was so damn funny and goofy and he had this crazy personality and I just couldn't wait to watch the show just to watch this damn dog. And I couldn't get my mind off of him and off of this dog, this bulldog. I knew I had to have one. And it's so funny because even like one year prior, I was like, 
ew, I don't want a dog. They shed, they get your house hairy. Oh, I don't want to clean up dog poop. Like I just thought it was all gross, but I had to have this bulldog and this person at this little bundle of fuzzy personality. And so I got Mowgli and Mowgli made me love dogs because he was the most loving, loyal, amazing best friend in the entire world and taught me more about life than anybody or anything else has ever taught me about life. And you know, now I'm hooked. Yeah, I know. You love them bulldogs. <laughs> I do. You know, Mowgli was a cool dog. You know, I can still to this day, I'll say that drooling and shedding aren't my two best friends. But ultimately, that was he's a, he was a cool dog, you know. Yeah. Um, how important is connection? Uh, connection is life. It's wildly important. But connection, you know, a lot of time people hear connection and they think automatically to somebody else. And I think connection to ourselves, first and foremost, connection to each other, connection to nature, connection to source. I think it's all important. I think it's all integral in our well-being and on this journey. Um, I pride myself because I'm really good at being alone. I'm really good at doing things solo, going on solo traveling adventures. But the best part of all of those quote-unquote solo journeys were the connections along the way yeah man i in this last year covid i mean i've really finally maybe come over the hump on like you know how i feel about myself and the the doors that it's opened up in the in the recent times for me has has been incredible and i just have this really overwhelmingly grateful feeling you know for it and it's it's interesting you know um, two questions. We got like six minutes to get through two <laughs> questions. Um, and you're not allowed to say pass. So, okay. um, if you could give one health tip that you feel everyone should know, what would it be? Just one. Just one. One health tip that everybody should know is that they are this is a popular kind of trendy word this year, but they are sovereign beings. They are self healers. We do not need all these people outside of ourselves to heal us. We are the self healers. We are the healers and we need to take our power back. Excellent. I love it. My one. (laughs) All right. This one's going to be a tough one. I think maybe if you had unlimited access to funds for 72 hours, Nothing you buy carries over. You can't give it to anyone. It all disappears like Cinderella's uniform. What would you do with it in that 72 hours? Mm. Or what would... I should say, what would you do? Because you can't really... You got to just use the money to do something. You can't really... you, You can't be charitable. Well, okay. But what if I fed people? Like I bought food. That's... It's in their belly, so it doesn't go away, yeah. right? Uh, just for that 72 hours, you'd feed them, yeah. I mean, honestly, 72 hours isn't a long enough time to be selfish and go on, like, some wild, amazing, crazy vacation. Um, and honestly, if it was in this time, especially now more than ever, I would literally go spend as much money as I could at all the local small businesses and just bring in and feed anybody and everyone who needed it. Um, just to one, support the people who need a little support, the, you know, people who are homeless or who are unemployed right now and who need food and also to support all the struggling small businesses. 
You just give them a one day infusion. You just be like, I like you. Here's a freaking. Two hours is like four days, man. But she's like, here's 500 grand. Here's 500 grand. Here's 500 grand. Because, you know, I got unlimited funds, but I got to get to everybody. Mm-hmm. You just sit at your computer and wire that shit. <laughs> I think that's cool. I, uh, <laughs> I always said that I would, uh, and you know, really quickly, I just uh, pri- charter a private jet, get all like my really close loved ones literally jet to Greece where we would sit on a boat and have like uh, a private hotel and the private boat and jet skis and boats and all that stuff. And we would fish and play games and eat and, and feast and relax and swim and, and go back and forth and like in Greece for 72 hours because I could, you know, because we have the access to funds, like we could get there real quick with a private jet, you know what I mean? And have a little private helicopter and a private helipad and a yacht and just be like, it would all be there for me as we orchestrated in the air, you know? But uh, That would be fun. Yeah. I would probably just do Mexico though because it would take less time out of the air. No, I get it. Everyone I- you know, just... I literally just want my mom to experience like the the craziest fun that she had never yet to have. You know what I mean? And that so she deserves. I just feel like Greece would be would be really rad. So Greece is uh, next on my list. Man, it's 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 mm. it's good from far, man. We uh, we got this list um, in our heads. Tropical vacation is like a topic of conversation, and it's just like. When can you plan it? <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's it's like encouraging and discouraging. Like I can't wait to be on my tropical vacation. That I don't know when that might ever happen. In fact, I got like free money out there that might expire by the thirty first because I'm not gonna be able to travel. The nice thing is, it's gonna happen in perfect timing. It will. Yeah. It will. I mean, I, I honestly, twenty twenty, uh, it's been crazy. But it's not, it hasn't, like, I'm not in a hurry for it to be 2021. It ain't going to be no different. You know what I mean? Like, what I was able to do in 2020 was actually slow down a little bit and learn some stuff, which was pretty darn cool, you know? Like, yeah, there's been some inconveniences, but I would have just had my head down been doing the same thing, you know? And, and I think it's forced some people to look in the mirror real hard, and, and maybe that's the discomfort in some ways, you know, where we actually have to look in the mirror and go, ooh, you know? change yeah. needs to happen but Chaz I just want to say thank you I know we could talk for hours uh I purposely have anchor limit me to an hour so that I don't ramble and um <laughs> you know I may have done that a few times today but I uh I just really like what you're sharing um you have a beautiful energy about you and I'm I'm just appreciative that you came on today it is really really cool and I, I encourage everybody that's listening to go to her podcast. It's called Our Power is Within. It's on Apple. Everywhere. Spotify. Where else? All of them. Stitcher. Yeah. Any uh-huh. any any platform you use, you can find it. There are some amazing interviews on there and information that would be great to see. Go support her. Leave her a five-star review. Let the world know about what she's doing. If you have questions... Where do you, where where do people find you if they have questions? Um, I have an Instagram for the podcast. Our power is within, and um, yeah, honestly, I just I put my email address out on every podcast and just make myself available if people ever want to reach out for um, at all, so they can DM me on Instagram or 
email me, which is also our power is within at iCloud.com. Dope. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for inviting me on and mm-hmm. creating this space for us to connect today and um, allowing me this opportunity to share something that I'm so passionate about. I love chatting with you always. Yeah, super proud of you. Talk soon. Thank you.